0: Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang, and today on The Detail. Today,
1: though, must be day one of change.
0: Born in the wake of the March 15 mosque attacks, the Christchurch call was a big promise on a global stage.
1: Jacinda Ardern Dern in Paris to make social media platforms safer after the broadcast of the Christchurch attack live on Facebook.
2: New Zealand's Prime Minister saw a need to regulate such online extremism and she asked the world to join her in a pledge.
0: To date, 55 countries, 10 tech companies and 2 international organisations are signed up to the effort to stop online extremist content. Over the weekend, they all met virtually for the second anniversary of the call, the US finally making an appearance after refusing to join under the Trump administration. But what exactly has it achieved? Just last month, a community consultation document with governments, tech companies and community groups, such as the Islamic Women's Council of New Zealand, found that 38% of them thought the effectiveness of the call was average. The Christchurch call has it worked. No, it hasn't worked. Two years on, with participants meeting only by screen, it's been easy to block out observers. How do we know what it's achieving if journalists
2: are kept out of the summit? There was no involvement from the media at all. We were kind of going in a bit blind. Jo Moyer is Newsroom's political editor. She was in Paris when the Christchurch call was launched and describes the atmosphere at the time as... Really hopeful, I think. Obviously, uh, having Jacinda Ardern and the French president Macron on that sort of international stage together like that, like a bit of a power couple, really, and sort of them working together, coming together, was, was pretty significant and, and pretty huge. And, you know, there was a lot of optimism about what could be achieved, given the fact that tech companies, so many um, heads of government, uh, you know, various companies, civil societies, your NGOs and things, coming together like that, you know, we'd never seen anything like that before. So it, it was quite impressive. You know, bear in mind as well that this was quite soon after March 15th that happened as well, so the, mm. I guess the sort of momentum and, you know, the, the emotion and everything that had come out of that whole experience, both for New Zealand and, you know, internationally as well, was was quite significant and still, in, you know, really in full play at the time as well. So, yeah, there was a, a real sense of sort of hope and optimism about what could be achieved through this.
0: And because it looked like quite decisive action, right?
2: Yeah, it did. You know, they sort of had this plan of how they would move to eliminate terrorism and, and violent extremism content online that was the goal that was set out there was this sort of real drive to have as many people involved as they could it ultimately commits us all to build a more humane internet
1: which cannot be misused by terrorists for their hateful purposes and working together under the banner of the Christchurch call i genuinely believe we can and will make real progress
2: what does signing up to the call actually mean? No, I mean, I guess I would probably describe it as being more about collaboration, really. Um, You know, the point of it is to design uh, systems, protocols, and for mostly tech companies really to work together to actually, you know, achieve this goal of eliminating terrorist and and extremist content. So... uh, I guess it's less sort of, uh, you know, countries meeting standards and and more about that collective responsibility of everyone involved. It's difficult because, obviously, you know, they are there to make a profit, right? So, um, you know, algorithms, the sort of stuff that, that they've been talking about over the last couple of years where, you know, you would make real progress if tech companies were prepared to sort of share their research and, you know, their algorithm methods and things. That's still, you know, a work in play, I guess I would say. It seems a bit wishy-washy to me then. Oh, I mean, you know, at the time that it all happened, the National Party described it as a talk fest. And, you know, some people would probably have agreed with that, I'm sure. I guess I would say at the time it seemed as if there was a reasonable amount of momentum about what they wanted to achieve. I would be inclined to say having been to the summit at the weekend, and the little detail that we got about the progress that has been made. It maybe feels a little bit more like that now, but I don't think that that takes away from the fact that there has been a certain amount of things that have been achieved. You know, we have these response protocols in place now that mean that, you know, governments and tech companies kick into action when an event takes place. Those response protocols have been kicked in twice since March 15th.
0: The first time was in 2019,
1: after a shooting in Germany. Police in the city of Halle say two people have been killed in a shooting. This was live stream on a platform where that platform moment, Amazon, joined the Christchurch call in New York. So the incident protocol that we've developed has kicked in. The second was a shooting in Arizona
0: in the US last year. Armando Hernandez now facing charges as police say he shot three people at Westgate Entertainment District. Before and during the shooting,
2: Hernandez posted disturbing videos to social media that have now been confirmed by police. We obviously also have the, the Global Internet Forum. Now that was already set up as a group, but it was sort of tech companies that were running it, and it was more focused on sort of Islamic terrorist type behavior. Now that's been created as a purely independent organisation now so the tech companies have been taken out of it and the scope um, has been widened to very much focus on white supremacy as well. So I mean they haven't broadened it completely because I guess you could include other things in that like misinformation or um, you know racist rhetoric or things like that but actually that gets quite difficult when you've got tech companies because that it becomes a little bit more subjective, right? So you want to keep mm. it reasonably narrow. But the point is is that we didn't have sort of an independent body that was making decisions when things happened online as to whether it was right or not. And the fact that white supremacy stuff is now included in that is quite significant, and you've got this independent group. And basically they sort of make the calls about uh, when response protocols will kick in. And um, what sort of happens if they do is that the platform that it has been sh- uh, shared on first, they sort of send that off to the Global Internet Forum, and then they have the ability to kind of share that out to other platforms and go, hey, this is what we're looking at. Can you see anything that looks like this? You know, let's act fast and remove it. So, you know, there is a lot more that is being done to sort of uh, get things off the internet faster. That sort of collectiveness of governments and uh, NGOs and tech companies all working together and kind of having this single goal um, is quite significant as well. I guess the only other thing I would say, there was this thing set up that was basically like a, a Facebook redirect program that was designed to kind of steer people who were found online to be putting this content on there. Um, they'd get sort of di- redirected to this forum where you know there were how uh, Help groups, I guess, you know, for want of a better description, and um, mm. to try and like pull people out of these holes that they've got into online. Now, the pickup there hasn't been great. Um, something like uh, 96% don't click on that sort of next step and, you know, go down the, the chain of getting the help. But the point is, is that, you know, if 4% are, and we're talking a lot of people here, and if some of that 4% are potentially people who could turn into someone who could do something like March 15th, then actually, you know, that is achieving something, I would argue. There have also been law changes since the
0: Christchurch call first met, both overseas. In the European Union,
1: we've decided to go further. With our Digital Services Act, we make clear that online platforms must take greater responsibility for their role in disseminating and promoting such material. And in addition, the European Union just recently adopted a new regulation on removing terrorist content online. It obliges online platforms to take down terrorist content within the hour anywhere in the European Union and back at home.
2: New Zealand is in the the process sort of through Parliament at the moment, you know, working around its digital laws. I guess the big player in all of this when you talk about law changes is probably the US. You know, a real talking point, I guess, at the time when I was in Paris was, you know, the fact that the US wasn't um, involved. The G7 was actually on in Paris at the same time and uh, a representative from the US was there in Paris for that. Probably could have popped over at some point to the Christchurch call and stuck their head in. And even if they weren't going to officially join, you know, could have taken part in that conversation. Um, The decision was made not to do that. And so it was quite significant not having the U.S. there. Now, of course, the U.S. has signed on since the change of administration to President Joe Biden, um, and they had a representative on the the call uh, at the summit. You know, the U.S. argued at the time that it supports the international initiative, but at this point of time is not in a position to join. The Trump administration has cited the need for freedom of speech as its reason for staying out of what has been described as Christchurch call. There is sort of a move within the US to make some amendments to some of the legislation that would better enable them to act in these sorts of situations. So pretty stringent laws that you know need to be worked with. That hasn't necessarily happened yet, um, but they are a work in progress. And I guess you know the fact that countries are talking about this they're coming together and talking about it and are at least endeavouring to try and make some changes is at least a starting point.
0: Yeah it's interesting that you bring up the US um, because President Joe Biden wasn't actually at the summit um, over the weekend what message do you think that sends like are they taking this seriously?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a fair point. It would have said a lot if he had been on the call. I guess what I would say is that having them there formally versus not is a win. It's you know, it means that they're part of the conversation. It means that they're looking at amendments to, to laws that uh, you know, might improve things. Obviously a massive number of the tech companies have their bases out of the US. Mm, yeah. Um so it 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 is significant whether they will do as much or be prepared to do as much as perhaps other countries are, I think, is is a bit of a wait-and-see game. But, yeah, I mean, having them there, uh, definitely an improvement or not.
0: I guess you could argue that out of many of the countries that are signed on, the US have the most kind of momentum behind freedom of speech and making sure that they're not infringing on those rights. Do you think that will really damper the effect that, they will be able to bring?
2: Um, I mean, the argument from those involved in the Christchurch call is that no, it won't, that, that, you know, the US can still do work and still be involved without sort of impinging on those sorts of things. To be honest, there hasn't been a massive amount of detail about what that might look like. I guess one of the things that has stood out for me having uh, the press conference with Jacinda Ardern at the weekend and having that sort of uh, briefing from um, those involved at a more sort of hands-on level from France and New Zealand um, the week before that is... Kind of the lack of explanation or information that has come from those press conferences. I think it would be a whole lot easier to explain. You know what the success is or what the achievement is. If things were a little bit more transparent, and to be honest, you know, going back to when um, the Christchurch call came together in Paris, you know, we had a situation where we would literally, you know, flow onto the other side of the world to be there to because it was, you know, significant, and you know, New Zealand media made a real effort to be there for that, mm. and it was a situation where we basically all got locked out of the entire summit. We were told we'd be able to be in there for the opening remarks. Um, the media all got hustled out. Basically, we had to. Get the Prime Minister's office involved to say, you know, this is ridiculous, we've come all this way and we literally have no content, nothing to put to ear, to put on, you know, the TV that night, nothing at all. And they had to have a real scrap with the French about, you know, giving us a recording of some of the opening remarks, because despite the fact we've been promised it, it never happened. Mm. Um, And that sort of set a bit of a tone, I guess, about the transparency factor when it came to the media. And it's been interesting that, Despite the fact that, you know, the uh, summit at the weekend was held in New Zealand and New Zealand media were able to be there with the Prime Minister and ask questions, we were limited to two questions. There was, you know, at least sort of 10 of us um, at that press conference. And, I mean, two questions is fewer than what you'd get in a bilateral. For for the whole New Zealand media. Yeah, so they had a split. They basically gave a couple of questions to international media who were, you know, virtually online, zooming in, so it was all live-streamed for them. And then they had two questions for uh, local media. And, you know, it's you kind of just go, well that's not really going to dig into anything much. And then when the answers are sort of, you know, a bit vague and you don't have the ability to sort of ask a supplementary to kind of dig into something that has perhaps been mentioned. Mm. Um, you know, the Prime Minister was supposedly there for a 30-minute press conference. That was the time frame that we were given. And it was all wrapped up with, um, you know, in 16 minutes. And, and that was it. And, mm. you know, you kind of just went, well... We could have spent the other 14 minutes actually, you know, digging into some questions. So, yeah, I've been a little bit miffed by some of the transparency around it, um, I guess would would be what I would say.
0: Yeah, and, and I did look back at that press conference because the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade did upload that. And it seemed like you had to submit your questions first. Some of you have already submitted questions, so if I call on you, please unmute, uh, ask your question, and then mute again. For those of you in the room, uh, you are prepped to stand at the point. So that
2: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there was no ability to respond in sort of real time to what was being said. You know, the other problem was that we weren't part of the summit because it was closed off, so we hadn't actually been part of it in the same way that we weren't part of it um, at the time in Paris. The obvious question you want to ask is, well, what happened but then, if you use a question to ask, well, what happened, then you've kind of only got one question left to sort of dig into, you know, why that happened or didn't happen or, you know, investigate it a little bit further. So it did make it. A bit difficult to (laughs) say the least, Um, and there wasn't sort of you know some comprehensive statement that came out before the press conference to say these are the countries that have joined um, uh, since the last time the the countries were released because there were new ones. There wasn't any sort of statement about what had been specifically talked about, you know, even themes or anything. So yeah, it it was um, it was just a it was just a bit vague all round. So Joe, do you think it's the,
0: the summit itself was just a waste of time? Um, I don't know if I can answer that because I wasn't really in it.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> that does make it um, hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the the sort of the rhetoric, I guess, is that you know, work has been done. I guess the one thing that Jacinda Ardern kind of said in the um, press conference was that you know that sort of work around the algorithms.
1: The existence of algorithms themselves is not necessarily the problem. It's whether or not they are being ethically used. And so there, I'd say that is probably the biggest focus for the core community over the next year, or at least one of the biggest focus alongside expanding the network itself. Let's have that conversation around the ethical use of algorithms and how they can. use be used in a positive way and for positive interventions because it's not just about whether or not they're driving users it's whether or not they're driving users into a negative space and we can flip that and turn it into a much more positive intervention.
2: That's where real change will happen but it's also the, the difficult part because it's the part that tech companies will kind of go and you know, put their back up about Jacinda Ardern's comments were that they were still working on that and you know there'd been good conversation about that If you're not in it, though, like it's difficult for an outsider to go, oh, well, yeah, you know, good work was made there. I I can't answer that. It's been very sort of stage managed, I guess. So tech companies haven't sort of really been made available to talk, even at the time. In Paris, there was, you know, no sort of big press conference where we had the ability to talk to people. And, you know, these guys and and, and women that are are attending are are big players and they're not going to sort of just have a a big old chat to New Zealand media for, you know, no particular reason. So we haven't really heard a lot from them. And I guess in some regards, like, I don't know that they really want to get themselves into a conversation where they're talking about whether they're going to, you know, release all this information or not. I guess if they if they aren't on the record and the media talking about that, then there's no sort of obligation to be doing it really. I don't think that I don't think it is like that though. I don't think that thus sort of signing up and going, Ha ha, we've signed up but we're not going to do anything. You know, there is definitely work going on there. They've definitely got involved in terms of those response protocols. You know, as Jacinda Radun said, there was a significant conversation about how they can further that around the algorithms. It's it's a really tricky one. I think any progress that's going to be made there is going to take some time. And, you know, whether it will ultimately achieve what they're hoping to, I don't know. But, I mean, I'll just swing back to what I said earlier. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that things aren't being achieved. The fact that there are, you know, other systems and processes in place, there's legislation changes that are going on. That stuff all adds up.
0: Do you think the landscape
2: has changed since
0: 2019 and since the mosque attacks? And if it's changed, has the Christchurch call had something to do with it.
2: Yeah, I mean I it's it's difficult to say whether the landscape's changed because I guess you probably need to be someone who's in that community online in that way to sort of see how prolific it still is. You know, there are always going to be new platforms that will pop up for every one that disappears, you'll probably find another one come on board the the sort of big win that is going on with the Christchurch call is the speed in which that's been reacted to. I mean, bear in mind with um, March fifteenth, obviously there was a lot of content related to that that stayed online for quite a long time because there were just no processes and systems. There was no sort of independent global body. You mm. know, when you're talking about tech companies and platforms, you know, internationally that you're trying to control without something like the Global Internet Forum doing that sort of work, it's quite difficult. So. Yeah, the, yeah, there has definitely been things put in place that are helping. It may not be as broad-ranging, perhaps, as people would like. Do you think the Christchurch
0: call has lost its momentum? I mean, at the beginning of the interview, you said when it was launched, there was a sense of um, hopefulness around it. But do you think that has changed
2: yeah, I mean, I actually asked that question of Paul Ash, who is sort of, you know, in charge of the Christchurch call from a New Zealand perspective, um, when we had that press conference with him. And, you know, he was very, very clear that, no, you know, there's more countries coming on. Um, there's, you know, more tech companies. There's more civil society members. Uh, the fact that the Christchurch call is growing in terms of it, its membership would suggest that there is still momentum there if people thought that it had sort of, done its bit or died off, uh, I guess new people wouldn't be considering getting on board with it. To have the US join in recent weeks um, would suggest that, you know, the momentum is still there. I guess it's one of those things where a lot of it is happening in the background. It's not necessarily something that you can see or is particularly tangible. You know, when you've got a a global internet forum and, and companies working together online to sort of share information or pull data or, you know, do things more quickly when something happens, that's not necessarily something that, you know, Joe Public will be able to see and go, oh, okay, that's that's where that's happening. Um, so there's definitely things going on. There's definitely still a willingness to be involved. So it's a bit of both. I would say that it doesn't necessarily have that sort of momentum and, and sort of drive and pick up, you know, that was going on when we went to Paris. But I don't think that that means that uh, you know nothing is happening now. There's certainly still a lot of work being done.
0: That's it for today. I'm Jesse Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Joe Moyer. Matewa.